Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. This week, we are joined by Near South Church Planting Associate Pastor Noah Chung. Yeah, and with him, we get to talk about Romans 8, 18 to 30, uh, the already but not yet, and also what it means when Paul says the Spirit of God intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Great, let's get started. I'm Hillary Murphy. And I'm Trevor Lovell. And this is a Pastor's Cut with Noah Chung. Noah, good to have you with us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, Noah, thanks for joining. What is the scariest thing that you have ever done for fun? For fun, man. (laughs) So when I was in like middle school years, we would go, my church back growing up was kind of like in this wood creek slash area. We still don't know who actually owned that area. But what (laughs) we would do as kids, we would take our paintball guns and it would be hot, so we would like not care what we were wearing, t-shirts, shorts, jeans, and we would just go out and paintball for like hours upon hours. <laughs> People would fall down the creeks, they could they get hurt, they'll get poison ivy, the welts from the bruises from paintballing. It was just pretty dangerous, <laughs> most likely. Like yeah. I wouldn't do it again. Like I definitely <laughs> would not do it again. But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that's probably the funniest thing I did for that was dangerous yeah (laughs) it's funny how things like from childhood have those two qualities of yeah it was a lot of fun and I would never do that again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so Noah you preached at Bridgeport this past weekend yeah actually at Bridgeport and South Bridgeport and South so yeah did the little Ah, the travel three yeah three sermons yeah yeah yeah. nice Um, so could you give us a quick recap of the sermon yeah uh, man to be honest this sermon was a tough one for me it's romans 8 18 through 30 and Mm -hmm. it's after all of paul's just incredible language of there's no condemnation the spirit of god is in you you're adopted you're co-heirs with christ and then he talks about suffering which is like okay cool Mm -hmm. uh so as i kind of dug more like the overall kind of maybe summary of my sermon was uh the main point would be that though we all suffer, that's being part of Christ, our co-heirate with Christ, that God still is working in your suffering more than you realize or more than you would like to realize. And I just kind of gave three encouragements through that. I said that God is using your suffering to reveal the glory that is to come mm-hmm. and expound upon that. Then God also says amidst your suffering, you are not alone, but that the Holy Spirit is helping you in your weakness. And that helping is not some like passive help, but it's a very intense kind of rolling up your sleeves type of help in your weakness by groaning on behalf of you. So interceding on behalf of you. And then third, that God is also working all things for good. It's not for our immediate good, quote unquote, but his his eternal sovereign good and redemptive plan throughout all history. So he's working all things for good, which in for us is in verse 29, which is he is conforming us to the image of Christ. And that's his main good goal for us. And so hmm. that's kind of how I preach that. It's always hard to talk about suffering. Um, it's never uh, a popular sermon topic. <laughs> and it's, yeah. yeah, everyone goes through it. Everyone has different experiences upon it. Also have different opinions about it. And so I did my best to kind of go through what the text says, uh, though, I, of course, I couldn't talk about like the big question of like, why is there suffering and things like that? So mm-hmm. uh, and the last kind of application I gave was actually that singing helps amidst in our suf- suffering. So I talked about like Negro spirituals and how like though amidst great pain, you can still have great hope and that actually helps you persevere and endure through, through it. 
uh, more than I would feel like most things we do. But singing kind of helps, I feel like, a lot um, yeah. in most contexts. So that's kind of what I shared mm-hmm. uh, for the sermon at South Dupin Bridgeport. Yeah. I know uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the um, German theologian, when he came over to the States, right, and he was studying in New York at seminary there, and he came upon those songs, and he was reading them, and he's like, man, in, in these, I'm like seeing the essence of of Christianity mm. and uh, something in seeing how those are born out of a place of suffering and uh, yeah. richness to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually back in the day, how many of uh, the African-American slaves also learned basic biblical stories and theology through those songs because mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't read and write. And so it was interesting. Yeah. It's just a really interesting kind of past mm-hmm. history of the of mm-hmm. our, you know, whole faith that yeah. that's part of it too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what got cut this week? Yeah, uh, to be honest, a lot got cut because uh, <laughs> there was just a lot to do. Um, one big thing is that uh, a lot of theologians actually say that this passage is one of the most clear indications of the concept of the already and the not yet. So the whole concept is that Christ has come. He has uh, saved us by, by, by his grace, by his death on the cross and resurrection. So we have new life in him. But suffering and death still exist. And it's still, they still, it still reigns throughout this earth. So there's still a waiting for Christ to come again where full redemption, all death, all pain, all sickness is eradicated. And so for this text, it's really, I think, a clear portrayal of the tension that is existing between um, Christ, you know, death and resurrection, and then his second coming. And we're still in that right now. And that's why the question of suffering is so you know, relevant to many of our folks and even people who are outside mm-hmm. the church. And so I, yeah. I couldn't really dig too much into that. That's um, maybe not so common language for our, depending on for our folks. So they may know it, they might not. So I didn't even bring that topic up because then it's kind of like, I have to explain it. I have to kind of go in detail. And I think that would kind of mm-hmm. draw away from the entire passage. But it's a really interesting concept I think for mm-hmm. us to realize that we're living in this tension, yeah. um, that the Christian life is living in, in a tension and in a balance that something is still being worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're still, as Paul would say, we're eagerly waiting, we're, we're groaning, uh, like yeah. in childbirth, you know, like, and so that I couldn't talk too much about, but I think it's a really sweet reminder and yeah, so important for us to know, even if we're, you know, outside this text too, mm-hmm. that definitely got cut. Yeah. Did anything else get cut? Yeah. Um, this would be an interesting one. Uh, so I don't know exactly what you all would say to this, but there's the passage that talks about where the spirit groans on behalf of you uh, or intercedes on behalf of you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Trevor already knows I'm kind of going with this, but <laughs> so there's a lot of theologians who kind of wrestle with what that actually means. Mm. And Yeah, I didn't go too much into this, but there are some that are in more, I would say, uh, the Pentecostal Assemblies of God background Mm -hmm. that say that's a clear indication of speaking in tongues. But then Mm -hmm. other theologians and scholars, uh, the ones that I kind of read too, they say it's not so much of that, but it's wordless groans where you are in like, really difficult and weak moments of your life. And so, but there's still not a a complete clarity in what Paul means by wordless groans. Uh, And yeah, you can go a lot deeper into that. What are these groans? Are they like you groaning? Is it the spirit groaning? Like, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I share this like kind of a long illustration for that, but that was kind of 
one where I did not talk about. I'm sure people, when I read the passage, may have a question about that if they especially grew up in the Pentecostal church. But yeah, yeah I didn't touch upon that at all. That's a whole kind of can of worms that you could have easily talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like whether or not it's, that's what's happening when a person is praying in, in tongues, if that is kind of like mm-hmm. an explanation of it or... um. Or if it's something else, but either way, right? Whatever it's saying, it's that the Spirit does pray for us in the midst of our difficulties. Mm-hmm. So at least we have that to hang on to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's yeah. really interesting because I I think depending on the circles that you're in or the church circles that you're in, groaning and spirit, like those two going together, and like of course speaking in tongues is something that mm-hmm. is not talked a lot about, yeah. especially. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to even if you don't depending on even your belief on that, if you believe that it's still relevant now or if you don't believe it, it's still important to know what it is because Paul mm-hmm. does talk a lot about it. And yeah. even if you don't believe it, if it's happening now or only happened back in the time of Acts, kind of knowing what the importance of that is. And I think actually Romans 8 here, it does it gives a really good understanding of Holy Spirit speaking in tongues comes so, because the Spirit of God is perfectly interceding on behalf of you as human who does not know the will of God mm-hmm. and knows the perfect will of God and can be able to share and intercede on behalf of you. And that's like a really important thing that I feel like we don't talk much about, that mm-hmm. the Spirit works in that. Because uh, it's really discouraging when you're like, I'm suffering, I'm in a hard time, like who is helping me? And yes, people can help around you, but mm-hmm. the spirit I think is a whole other level of kind of how God enters into our suffering and speaks on behalf of us. Mm-hmm. And so, and that comes a lot, I mean, I think that comes in speaking in tongues too, if you still believe in that or not, but yeah. So, well, let's just dive into for that the topic for a minute of speaking okay. in tongues. And um so, because this this passage is maybe referencing it, maybe not, but mm-hmm. it is something that we see throughout the Book of Acts as well as in First Corinthians. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, w- kind of, what are your thoughts on it? Just and uh, Hillary, feel free to chime in as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do know that Trevor had his uh, council ordination yeah. council. Yes, was it Trevor's this past Saturday? Saturday. <laughs> this Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just happened. Oh, okay, so you got this yeah. question, or maybe not. Anyways, um, <laughs> I will let you share later. But for me. So I actually grew up in a Pentecostal church. So yeah. I grew up in a church where the domination was Assemblies of God and very Pentecostal. My mom still prays in tongues. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I come from that background. And so I can't deny where I've grew, grown up in. Like even yeah. stories where I was in Korea and we were like in this prayer meeting, revival meeting. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I don't believe in this, but they would literally bring up each like teen or child and like lay hands on them so that they could speak in tongues because they believe that that was that in that speaking in tongues that you are accepting the gift of the spirit and almost as a proof of your salvation in a way so i don't i don't believe Mm -hmm. to that extent but for me i still believe that speaking in tongues is still possible Mm -hmm. in our day and age i believe that in certain parts of the world it's more readily seen because Mm -hmm. maybe of different kind of faith and also just a belief in that. But I, I mm-hmm. do think that even when we're pr- like regularly praying our own words and if we're really in tune with the spirit, I think the spirit still speaks in our prayers and is in within our prayers. And yeah. when we don't say words and we're groaning like this, mm-hmm. I still think the spirit speaks to our father as our perfect intercessor. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking in tongues, yeah, I 
I believe I've personally experienced it too. And so I don't know if mm. you want to, you know, keep this or not, but like, you yeah. know, what Park <laughs> believes, but yeah. yeah, I still, I still have that because it's from my background yeah. and I've mm-hmm. seen it and I've seen God move in just miraculous kind of ways that, yeah, I can't really explain. Mm-hmm. And if you see the church in Acts, just those are a lot of things you can't explain. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I come from. And mm-hmm. I know that my perspective is shaped by my background and experience. So mm-hmm. that makes kind of how I would share about it. So I would say that it mm-hmm. still exists. It just depends on the circles that you're in. But I won't go as far to say that you have to have the mm-hmm. gift of speaking in tongues in order to be, you know, one who has uh, been yeah. given the spirit of God as a down payment for your, you know, faith. Yeah, you know? yeah, so that's kind of how I'd share that. Yeah. Yeah, Hillary, what do you think? (laughs) I didn't grow up in a Pentecostal church, so contrary to how Noah grew up, it wasn't something I ever experienced personally or even really have witnessed firsthand. But um, Mm -hmm. I believe that God can, and the Spirit can do what He wants and Mm -hmm. move in different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's what good. about you, Trevor? That's good. Um, Noah, I think I fall in a similar place with you mm-hmm. where uh, I don't I don't think there's much like biblical warrant to say that this has ceased and mm-hmm. that it's not around anymore. Um, I think it's hard to get to that place exegetically, uh, mm-hmm. working from any, any passage or, or group of passages. Uh, it does seem to be less normative, like you're saying, in certain parts of the world. And, and what, what kind of where I would fall on it biblically is that... Um, yeah, same thing that you're saying. I don't think you can say that it stopped, but I also don't think that you can say this is something that every every follower of Jesus should expect to experience mm-hmm. uh, and that it's somehow like a, whether it's like an assurance of your salvation, receiving the baptism in the spirit, or even like a second baptism. I think mm-hmm. what the Bible seems to talk more about and what we're commanded to do is to be filled with the spirit continually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seal comes at the point of conversion when we come to faith. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so that that's kind of where I would land on it. But yeah, cool yeah. to cool to hear where you guys are at too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think also for just even for the church broadly, most mm-hmm. of people most of the people who are actually becoming saved and becoming Christian around the global world mm-hmm. are being saved in more Pentecostal settings. Mm-hmm. So yeah. also so also having to be aware of that that most of these people, young people too, are being saved and one of the normatives in their church experience is the speaking of tongues. And so for us, as we are kind of understanding that we're a global church, you know, we're in Chicago, but also the church is growing massively and just exponentially throughout the world. Yeah. How do we then begin to be in relationship and dialogue with those who are in more Pentecostal circles? Because definitely yeah. I would say that they're not, maybe it's, you know, it's not a, a blood issue, I would say, yeah. Yeah. but it's just kind of an outworking and expression. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, it may if you guys ever go into like a Pentecostal church and they begin to speak in tongues, it's going to be very uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah. but you know, but it's a normative in a yeah. lot of parts of the world. And yeah. So something to be aware of. And, and there is the, the distinction between the sort of like the, the prayer language, right? Mm-hmm. That's sort of the, sometimes can be the expectation everyone should have this. And then more so what you see in first Corinthians 14 about, um, someone like speaking out in the congregation, which mm. I think 1428 says that, that it has to have an interpretation mm-hmm. in, in the place of the gathering. And if there's an yeah. interpretation, then there's something off with it. Yeah, um, no, I, I agree with that too. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. So no, with God knowing our needs, and as you mentioned earlier, how the spirit intercedes for us, how would you encourage us to pray during our time of suffering? That's a really good question, Hillary. Praying 
in times of your suffering. I, I think a beautiful thing when it comes to praying while suffering is that you are weak and you are in need. And I think that's the one of the most important things to prayer that I and most of us, I feel like, lack in general. We're praying kind of more out of just like conversation or not really out of a, a weakness or a need. And so that's, first of all, you're in a good space, first of all, in that. And then I would say that in praying during times when you're suffering, I don't think you need to use words. I think that's mm-hmm. a common misconception that when we're praying that we have to fill the time with words. But I, also from this passage with groaning, I think there's a, a great witness that we also don't need to be, yeah, just constantly trying to fill our time with like words and requests mm-hmm. and just things to God. God knows what we need already, but it's being in that moment. And that's why we, we can even just groan. So I share a story in my, share a story in my sermon about a period of time where, uh, like it was a really difficult moment for our family. Like my dad was, he had he had cancer. My brother and I were praying for him and we, we just didn't know what to pray for because he was like on his last leg. Um, and when we were praying, we just prayed for like a minute or two. And then after a while, we just like groaned. We kind mm-hmm. of cried. We mm-hmm. didn't know what else to do. And I think when we're in, in our weakest, most difficult moments, the spirit actually intercedes more on behalf of us than we realize. Yeah. For a lot of us, I think even maybe you can replace groaning with tears, that Hmm. even those tears are ways that the spirit is interceding on behalf of us, but maybe we don't really realize it, but he is praying for us. And the things that may happen, maybe it's God providing healing or God providing comfort or God providing friends or support or whatever it may be, that God is really answering the prayers of the spirit even though we don't know exactly what he's praying for. So I think that's kind of how it works. Um, I would say too, that if we're in most, like in our most difficult periods of time or suffering, that also having others pray on behalf of us is really important too, because sometimes we just can't even muster up the energy to pray. But that's kind of how I would answer that. Uh, And I think this passage gives really interesting perspective on how the spirit intercedes on behalf of us, especially Mm -hmm. in weakness. That's that's the context that Mm -hmm. Paul is kind of sharing too, that because we've been adopted, that we have the spirit given to us, that he Mm -hmm. is now also activated through his intercession for us, which is a beautiful gospel truth that we can lean on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so you have, you have one more thing for us, right? That got cut. Uh, I, I do. I do. Uh, I think it's really, this passage is really, interesting too. I couldn't spend too much time on it. There's like, I guess there's two parts, but the one interesting part too is the whole idea of this groaning and this eagerly waiting and then creation groaning and eagerly waiting in kind of the first section of it. I I, I cut maybe just more implications of what that looks like a, in terms of like how sin has destroyed creation, how there's mm-hmm. death, how there's decay, how there's barrenness, how there's lack of fruit. But also, interestingly, you could take the approach to how humanity has caused creation to groan as yeah. well mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of like trash or pollution. You know, it's like the whole environmental kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I do think that as Christ followers that we do seek a day where creation is in full glory and full fruitfulness and full beauty. Right now, we're not in that moment. And we can already see on this earth that it's 
kind of slowly crumbling. Even just the whole virus, like this coronavirus and sicknesses, mm-hmm. those are running rampant. And so for creation to groan and also for us to be groaning, but just to kind of see that one aspect of creation, how we've been also not really helping it is also an interesting kind of aspect that I could have gone into, but mm-hmm. it kind of goes down into a completely different rabbit trail that would not be helpful for the sermon. So mm-hmm. I, I cut that, um, but there's not that, there's not many places in scripture you can talk about it mm-hmm. besides mm-hmm. maybe like Genesis and then parts like this, but there's not many places where you can talk about mm-hmm. our stewardship for the earth, Yeah, but how yeah. earth is groaning just as much as we are longing for Christ to return again. Mm-hmm. So that, I, I cut that part out too. But it's yeah. really interesting. It's a really yeah. good conversation too to have as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That when like when Jesus comes back, right? New heavens, the new earth, all that's established, that it's not just it's not just us that will flourish, mm-hmm. but it's actually the earth as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that there's even a like a, a closeness in the relationship that we're uh, to have with it. And, you know, that being a stewardship that was given to humanity to care for the earth and to bring about its flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's an old testament biblical idea of shalom that's that's pretty uh, it's a pretty prominent idea throughout the Old Testament, and, and it carries into the New Testament, Jesus being the Prince of Peace, Shalom being that same idea of peace, that's a connection. Um, and But it's a peace not in the sense of an absence of conflict, but in a flourishing, um, in a sense of flourishing. And you see that in the Old Testament, that idea is closely connected to uh, the land for the people of Israel, mm-hmm. that the flourishing of the land means the flourishing for them. And mm-hmm. uh, I think you just see that come through in a broader way in the New Testament, especially when you come to the new heavens, and the new earth. In this passage in Romans 8, that um, we're not going to flourish if the land that we're caring for isn't flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see that come to fruition, especially in the new heavens, and the new earth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like an interesting route that you could take with that particular passage. Um, mm-hmm. But there's just a lot. Paul does a lot of theology just mm-hmm. in this passage itself. It's really mm-hmm. complex. Even the last two verses, theologians call like the one who he predestined, he also called. The one he called, he also justified. The one he justified, he also glorified. And they call that the the golden chain, which is kind mm-hmm. of like the salvation trajectory for a Christ follower. And that in and of itself, it is so much just jam-packed in there. And Paul is just really summarizing all of what he did in the previous chapters. And so, yeah, it's it's a lot that I cut because, and I wanted to focus mainly on suffering because just of, mm-hmm. it's so relevant to a lot of people. Um, and if it's not relevant now, it will be relevant someday for somebody. And so it's kind of what I focused on. Yeah, mm-hmm. great stuff, great stuff. It's a rich passage. <laughs> Indeed, it is. Yeah. 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 Well, Noah, thanks for being with us. This was great. Thanks, Noah. Yeah. No problem. Thanks for joining us this week on the Pastor's Cut. We hope you join us again next week as we finish up Romans chapter 8.